0: Welcome back to Gritty Hope, a podcast where Gen Z meets a kind of okay boomer. My name's Katie Beth Louie, and we just had a whole conversation about dead bodies.
1: <laughs> and this is Steve Backus. I'm your kind of okay boomer. And so, yeah, as I get older, death is more on my mind. So, yeah. And Judy is cracking up over here. Yeah. We, we didn't have a subject this morning, so we were talking about cemeteries and uh, funeral homes and burials and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So...
0: And we, we have got, a real
1: cheerful topic of conversation to begin with I just with today. Judy's
0: so good. <laughs> Was it just the transition? Like, just the very, like,
2: yeah. you know, I honestly think you could be um, a DJ.
1: You yeah. have
0: the great voice. Yeah, we talk about
1: me. her NPR voice all the yes. time.
0: Yes, yeah. yes. I would either yeah. want to be, like, on the Delilah show, you know, on ninety six five yes. yes. Delilah, or I would want to be mm-hmm. on NPR for, like, their music mm-hmm. segment. I could, I could see you doing that.
1: I think talk radio would be great. Talk TV, whatever. She's yeah. got a great voice. I, do. I think so you do. too. You have a beautiful voice. I think so too. Yeah.
2: I, I, but just, just talk radio is <laughs> still a thing. Some of yeah. us. Some, us, love some to of us
1: still listen to it. Yeah. Yeah,
0: I think mm-hmm. Mike
2: does. There's some mm-hmm. sports stuff that mm-hmm. he listens to. Yeah.
0: yeah. So yeah, we just didn't really have a conversation. Then we started talking about dead bodies and cemeteries and everything. Yeah. My uncle, my great uncle. <laughs> Okay. Don't,
1: don't tune out, folks. It'll get better. Yeah, it'll get better. Yeah.
0: Trust me. Trust me. So, yeah, my great uncle, my great uncle Louis, he served in World War II. He was actually on the boat watching with binoculars when they signed the peace treaty over in Japan. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he was like, yeah, because he was telling me this story after I had fed the cows with him one day. And because I like, I, when I was younger, I loved to go visit because I could pet the cows, the horses. He let me drive the tractor. Yeah. Yeah. And, stuff. um, I actually got to see the house where my grandmother grew up. Because I was different mm-hmm. from the house that he lived in. Um, but it was on the same property. But um, he was telling me, he's like, yeah, I was on the boat. And they told us to all get our binoculars out. And I was like, uh-huh. And he goes, and then they signed a treaty. And I was like, what? <laughs> I, I, was, love I love it. And I was yeah. just like, okay, Uncle Louie. And then um, he died and at his funeral. So the church was like literally, it is literally a five-minute walk. The longest hmm. part to get to the church is going from the house down the driveway. That is yeah. the longest hmm. part of the trip. So they got his little John Deere mm-hmm. and had and put like the casket on a utility trailer and then pulled it up to the church. Mm-hmm. Wow. So because he always said when he goes, put putt better go with him because that's where also. We also make it a tradition to try to find my great uncle John's grave mm-hmm. as well, because no one knows where it was. Because there was like a flood or something that destroyed the, a lot of the old burial records. Mm-hmm. Then lightning struck the tree that we all used as a landmark to find Uncle John's grave. So now every, <laughs> so now we're trying to remember where the tree was. And yeah, mm-hmm. I have a, I have fun family traditions. Mm-hmm. I promise.
1: Yeah, this whole convers this, this, this whole conversation is born out of uh, Katie Beth said they had a surprise trip for the youth. Uh, coming up this week, and I told her we mm. used to do Destination Unknown, where we would take mm. the kids, the teens, on a surprise trip, and uh, and they didn't know where we were going. And the most impactful one that I did was we took them to a cemetery, an old historic cemetery, and just ask them to go around and visit the people that used to be here, look at their tombstones, see what they could find out about them. And then the other one was we took them to a funeral home to the embalming mm-hmm. room. Of course, I had to get parental. Parental, written parental yes. comi- permission for yeah. that. I would love that, to so see one of the parents trouble, but, uh, You know, because really when you get into the embalming room, he says, well, here's the hose that we put into their artery up here, yes. and here's the hose mm. we put into their artery down here on their leg, and then we run embalming fluid through there until the blood runs clear. And, you know, it's, it's really uh, – <laughs> morbid way but it's very
0: educational but
1: it's very educational when you have a traditional funeral and you have Mm -hmm. an embalming you know they Mm -hmm. should you know they explained how that took place you know
2: and i I do believe that we have sealed underground death Mm -hmm. for too
1: long Uh, Mm when you
2: grow up you don't think about it it's not talked about well we don't
1: talk about death yeah and
2: then when it happens it's Mm -hmm. a lot of times it can just Kick it it's devastating. Yeah, mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. I, I uh, my, my dad. One of my dad's brothers uh, was killed in a car wreck when he was fifty. Uh, he he uh, lived in uh, Romney, West Virginia, which is not far from DC. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, he had a little apartment building that he lived in. He owned, so it was a small apartment complex that he rented out. And, and the people that rented from him were very close. Mm-hmm. You know, they were friends, and so one of the young men that rented an apartment from him came to the funeral and he was in his mid twenties and it was the first time mm-hmm. he had ever seen a casket go into the vault and the lid go on the vault. Oh mm-hmm. and then the dirt it was the first time he'd ever seen it. He'd never seen that before. That first time's always rough. You know? So so we hard. don't we don't talk about uh Mm-mm. being mortal, our mortal bodies Mm-mm. we don't talk about it Mm-mm. a lot. Mm-mm. Whereas Paul talked about it in First Corinthians fifteen when he talked about the resurrection, he talked about our mortal bodies being right. raised in mortality. Right. Uh because death is just very real. And it needs and, and, it's, it, and it, it's the the it way is. we all go out. I it mean, is know.
2: and we need it, it needs to be more a part of life. Yeah. So that it's not so so difficult because mm. grief I think grief is one of the hardest things to deal with with folks.
1: Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah.
2: is grief. You know, I, I remember when my mother died. she was uh, sixty four. I was just about to turn forty one. She died mm-hmm. like three days before mm-hmm. my birthday. And of course that that's a whole nother story. And that's
1: young for. It you is know. very young, very yeah. young.
2: but that was my first. Death that really with an impact, and I'm telling you, it had a huge impact. Mm -hmm. And I remember thinking, there is nothing good that can come out of this. People would always say, you know, out of bad comes good, and you know, I'd want to smack them, you know. And another Mm -hmm. one they'd say was, in time, this will heal. They almost got a right hook. That that wasn't helpful because you just lost your mom. That's right. Right. That's Right. right. But you know, now. Eons later, I, uh, gosh, she died mm-hmm. in 91, so however many years that mm-hmm. is ago, I look, 30 years, mm-hmm. gosh, I, I, I look back and I think how that has helped me mm-hmm. sit with folks in grief. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And mm-hmm. to be empathetic with people in grief. Yeah. Because to show empathy is different than showing mm-hmm. sympathy.
1: I agree with you, I think one thing we have to do as we move forward as a church is address grief mm-hmm. you know if we if we want to be a church that offers hope, yes, these are things we have to talk about and I've thought about just having a class if you're grieving over anything, whatever it is that you're grieving, let's get together and and talk about it yes. and share that with one another yes, yes uh, um,
2: I know there's a curriculum out there that um mm-hmm. on grief yeah and and it's really, really, mm-hmm. really good. And one of the best things is to, is to have somebody lead it who has been through it.
1: Yeah, exactly.
2: Um, well, huge. you know,
1: one of our members came to me and said, I want to teach a class for caregivers because she cared yes. for her mother who had Alzheimer's mm-hmm. and she, for 17 oh, years. That's oh how gosh. long it took the disease oh, to finally that just come to its resolution oh, with her heart. death. So she said caregivers need
2: most assuredly. need support,
1: and I said that is probably going to be a very impactful yes uh, support group that we need to start. Yes, people grieve death of parents, of spouses, death of a child. Uh, people grieve loss of a job, mm-hmm. uh, loss of security. Loss of a relationship. W- loss of a relationship, divorce yes. or separation yeah, or a, like, estrangement from a child. Yes. You know, anything, yes, anything. Yes.
0: I feel like in those situations, like relationships, divorce, like mm-hmm. being estranged from a child, I think a lot of that's not really talked about. Like when we think of it's grief, not. the first mm-hmm. thing we talk about is someone it's dying. Yeah. Yes. And then no one really talks about, Yeah, you know, when a relationship mm-hmm. dies.
1: In I can, Yeah, forever. I can remember years ago this woman that was a member of the church came to me, and she, she was in tears. I said, what's going on? She said, my son's getting a divorce. I said, I can't even imagine what you're going through. She said, I want to tell you what it's like. She said, it's like a funeral, but we can't have a funeral service. Right. She there's no closure. There's no closure because she lost a daughter-in-law that yes. she'd had for many years that yes. she loved as yes. much as any other part of the family. And if they were kids, then yeah. the
2: grandkids. You know. Mm-hmm. You know. It, mm-hmm. It's just. It's such a pull. It's. It's such a struggle. Yeah. Such a struggle.
0: Yeah. I mean, this kind of makes me want to share my own grief story because mm-hmm. Steve, Steve knows because I yeah. told Steve. So my high school career, I haven't told you this. So buckle up. Okay. So high school I was pretty much surrounded by death in high school. So freshman year of high school, so this was 2011. Okay. My grandfather died. So my mom's father died. You know, I of think attack. I remember. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think you I think you I were was, there. I was just getting ready to leave. Yeah, and then My grandfather died. So he was a Shriner, a member of the Freemasons. So I Mm -hmm. actually got, so one of like the more touching memories I have of that is watching his Masonic graveside service, Mm -hmm. which is really cool. Mm -hmm. There's no pentagrams. It's all all pretty (laughs) above, it's all above board. The Freemasons are not weird. I mean, they're a little weird, but like it's a secret society. So I got to see that. Then uh, junior year, I had a lot of family deaths. Mm-hmm. So, November, my cousin, Grant, was murdered by his coworker. Mm-hmm. Um That's the Grant you're talking about. Mm-hmm. He was murdered by his coworker. Uh The guy's in prison, so yeah. we are all yeah. good. I think he's up for parole soon, which, <laughs> your girl's going up to the courthouse, <laughs> talking about my mental health and how that was impacted. Uh, from that... It made me really appreciate my family more because mm-hmm. I never got to say goodbye to Grant.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. right.
0: Because mm-hmm. um, he like literally the week before he died, he was at our house working on our roof
1: mm-hmm.
0: with like the man who killed him and everything. Yes, mm-hmm. because they were coworkers. They worked very close together. Um, so I got I learned to appreciate my family members more from that and to tell them I loved them Mm -hmm. and whenever I got the chance to talk to them. Mm -hmm. Um, Then March of the next year, my Uncle Louie died. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Then senior year of high school in October, my great aunt Wheezy died. (laughs) Yeah. So within a year, I had about three family deaths. Hmm. Mm-hmm. And so just experiencing the grief in different situations. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's
1: a lot to deal with when you're that age. When oh, you know, yes. But you know. the
0: great part was, so Grant's death kind of kicked off my anxiety disorder. So mm-hmm. by the way, everyone, I have generalized anxiety disorder. That's a disorder where my brain is constantly in fight or flight, most likely flight, Um mm-hmm. And you know, I just have anxiety about a lot of things. Thank you for sharing that, Katie Beth, because I know there's people out mm-hmm. there
2: that have that that it's not diagnosed. Yeah. So I got
0: diagnosed January of 2020, and I lived. I, from what me my therapist can say, I've probably lived with it my entire life.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: However, Grant's death
1: mm-hmm. it was a trigger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was a
0: big trigger. Yeah. Um and it caused a lot of my symptoms to come up to the front. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I lived with that for so long, like just the the symptoms coming to the forefront of my brain. Mm -hmm. I lived with that, so that was 2013 to about, so about seven years Mm -hmm. I lived with all of those feelings. Like I don't remember my last two years of high school. Mm -hmm. Like I try to think back and I have static. Like that's kind of what it's yeah. like. Um, like I know that I did things. I just don't remember doing. You just it. don't remember it. I don't yeah. remember doing them, but I know I have pictures. And, and, and that's a real. Stuff. That's a real thing, folks. Mm-hmm. I that mean, I mean some folks think you're may,
1: you may. You may be making that up, or no, it is. real. But it is real. When yes. you are mm-hmm. operating in grief and anxiety, yes, yes. There's a lot of things because you're just going through the motions. Yes. There's yeah. a lot of things you won't remember. Yeah, yeah. I like, I mean, and you
2: know, the therapists. You know, people mm-hmm. think, "Oh, you don't need a therapist." You, you know. Oh, yes, they mm-hmm. do. But you know, you know, if you were a diabetic, you wouldn't withhold insulin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's that's a a disease of mm-hmm. the of the pancreas.
1: Yeah,
2: it, there are diseases of the brain. Yeah, and they need to be treated as well.
1: And, and as a pastor, a lot of people will come to you to discuss yes. a lot of these things with you. Yes. And the one thing that I think that the church can offer is a compassionate ear. Mm-hmm. I agree. We can listen. Yes. Right? Now, there may be there may be something going on there that's above our pay grade to deal and, with. And so we say. And so we say. <laughs> we refer them to right. somebody that's trained more in that area. Right. But But everybody, listen, everybody needs to be heard and yes. everybody needs to be listened to with a compassionate ear. Which is, I think, one of the ways that we as the Christian church can be better is at listening to people
2: yeah, and praying with
1: people. And, that's where, and that's where
2: in. the accountability comes in. And that's where the
1: accountability comes in. Because all of us are broken in some way, each and every one of us. Mm-hmm. We're all broken. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we, we as uh, Henry Nowen would say, we're mm-hmm. all wounded healers. Yes, it was, I love know. Henry. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> I remember when... Um, my Grandfather called him Granda because mm-hmm. you know that's just what I called him. Uh, he wanted to be grandfather, but then I popped out and was like, Granda, and mm-hmm. that was it, of course. Um, but a lo- when he died, and then Grand, and then my uncle Louie and Aunt Weezy, a lot of ta- a lot mm-hmm. of people in mm-hmm. the church at the time were going through grief as well because we had mm-hmm. our own situations outside of my own situation, sure. yeah. And a lot of people are like just give it to God, pray to God, it'll go yeah. away. And don't, I'm like, yeah,
1: they're trying to brush it off cuz they I, don't really don't really want to deal with no, no, it. No, no, yeah. no one really wants to deal
0: with it. And yeah. I was just like, well, excuse
1: me. That's human nature though. Well, yes, yeah.
0: but then I was praying and it wasn't getting better. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't What is this? Mm-hmm. Hold on, I am so sorry. My phone was on mm-hmm. normal. But um Gross. And the Sometimes. thing is you were giving it to
2: God like you were told and it wasn't working. And so you're yeah. sitting there wondering what's wrong with me
0: right I was like, what's wrong with me? am I do I just not have enough faith? Do I there not have go. am I go. am I really a Christian and um, trigger warning We're about to talk about suicide. Um, mm-hmm. I actually became suicidal and I was self-harming mm-hmm. myself. Mm-hmm. So I would self-harm myself in ways that weren't visible. To yeah, other you were
1: hiding it. Yeah, know, so I would defense mechanism. Yeah, I mm-hmm.
0: would like grow out my nails mm-hmm. and then just kind of press them on the inside of my arms to where mm-hmm. like I could just feel the pain, but not actually leave any marks.
1: Mm. Katie Beth, this is one of the reasons my, some of my uh, contemporaries have said, Steve, you really shouldn't have an open door policy. I have an open door policy because <laughs>
0: for people like me, <laughs> for, if,
1: if, if, listen if and you no. if you are considering harming yourself. I want to know, because I will get up in the middle of the night and come and and listen to you if you want to talk. I would, Mm -hmm. too. Without judgment. Yes. (laughs) Without judgment, you know. And Uh I
0: never, thankfully, I never attempted Mm -hmm. suicide. Mm -hmm. Um, Although talking to my therapist, talking about, like, what I was thinking, I actually had an active suicidal ideation, mm-hmm. um, which means that... You
1: thought through the process, didn't you? I had a
0: plan. Yep. Oh, gosh. I had... Um, mm-hmm. I thought about what I would put in my note. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, a lot of people don't realize this, most people who are suicidal don't want to die. Yeah. No, it's a cry for help. Yeah, we don't we don't want to die. Like we just we just do Mm -hmm. not feel like life is worth living. Mm -hmm. So what I would so what pretty much what was going on at the time, I was really busy with high school. I remember this part of high school. Like I was like I had band concerts, I had honor bands, I had auditions for college, school music school I had like musicals mm-hmm. and so pretty and I had big tests coming up okay and so you, so you, you were busy. you were
1: dealing with grief but your schedule <laughs> was too full right. to allow you to but really the address thing was, it right?
0: my overwhelming yeah. sense of responsibility yes. is what kept me yeah. alive because mm-hmm. I would go okay i can't after
1: this i'll do it <laughs>
0: pretty much i was like i yeah. can't die yeah. this week i can't I have le- a test i can't let
1: this person down you know like
0: yeah. i or jenny yeah. hughes like i haven't told jenny this but she is one of the mm-hmm. reasons why i have stayed alive is because mm. i like i would have a choir concert and i'd be like can't let jenny down i gotta do this concert so i can't die this week i have a choir concert mm-hmm. can't die this week i have a calculus test like mm-hmm. i can't die this week i have obligations and Thankfully, that kept me going because I know that if I had pulled out of all of those, oh, it would have happened. Yeah. And see, I think
2: I think the fact that you kept busy mm-hmm. was good, but for those out there who don't keep busy, right? They need y'all. Y'all need someone to talk to mm-hmm. and find somebody find somebody the number at the church is 205-631-7631 there you go call
1: leave a message if we don't yes call. send
0: our send yeah. gritty hope at gritty hope you can always send us a dm oh absolutely
1: send us a dm if, or a email yeah,
0: yeah. at hope at gmail.com if you yeah. want to talk D- to somebody D- direct D- message direct
1: mm-hmm. message
2: oh
0: mm-hmm. right, thank you <laughs> okay. but yeah i was i was literally like It's just my overwhelming sense of responsibility. Mm -hmm. And then Mm. I actually got accepted into my college marching band. And I was like, well, I guess I can't die now. (laughs) And then over um, the summer, like, mm -hmm. I moved out of that period.
1: I think people think that there's a broad distance from – being mentally healthy and mentally and mentally unhealthy oh, but no. it, it's really a very narrow mm, very, line very very it's a very narrow line and you know we all have and, and we
2: yeah. all have some yep. sort of mental issue mm-hmm. somewhere yeah. some you know and i was
1: talking to a young man one time who was sharing with me his thoughts of suicide and he said well mm. he said i, I you know i i know where dad's pistol is and i know where the ammunition is oh yeah that's said, what
0: my thoughts were <laughs>
1: He said, I thought about going to the bathtub, and I'm thinking, no, this is going to leave too much of a mess for Mom to clean up. Mm -hmm. And he said, then I thought about just putting a plastic bag over my head before I put the the gun in the roof of my mouth so Mom (sighs) would have less to clean up. And then Mm -hmm. I thought, no, it's still going to blow a hole through the wall. And the only thing that really stopped him from committing suicide is because his thoughts of how much Mom was going to have— that sense of responsibility. Yeah. However, um, however erratic his thinking was, is what mm. kept him. That sense of responsibility is what kept him from doing it.
0: Mine was like, and I
1: wrapped that kid up because I knew him well in a big bear hug, and yes. I said, "I love you. Jesus yes. loves you. The yes. church loves you. Your family loves you." Yes. And uh, you know we're we're going to see this through. Yes. So yeah. we just embraced for a while and cried. Yeah, you know yeah. I mean. Yeah. Uh, so, and sometimes you just need somebody to help. As, and I know this is corny, but it's true. Sometimes you need somebody to help you cry. Yeah, and no, it's not corny. It's yeah. not. It's true.
2: Yeah. Because how yeah. many how many boys mm-hmm. aren't taught that it's not okay to cry?
1: Yeah.
0: Because the thing is that you and nobody
1: nobody had to know this person's identity. No, nobody had to know no, that we cried. No, nobody had to know that. No, there no. was no stigma to it and, because I was his pastor. Yes, and, yes. and that's what and we hopefully have. we all, all we pastors take our our confidentiality very seriously. I, I hope ho- so. I hope so. I hope so. Yeah. I hope yeah.
0: so. Yeah. I'll be putting mm-hmm. my hair up in my scrunchie if y'all aren't like. <laughs> 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 I will. Yeah. No. Um, uh, because at the time, I didn't feel like I could tell my parents. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Because
0: I was yeah. like, I have a good life. Like, out of everyone in yeah. my friend group, I was pretty much the only one who had, like, the two parents, good mm-hmm. house. Like, everything was peach keen, mm-hmm. right? So I was like, I don't have anything to complain about. Mm-hmm. And then I told my mom that later. And she was like, your cousin literally got murdered. Yes, you had something to complain about. But to me, it was like... <laughs> I don't have anything to complain about. Why am I sad? Mental illness does not discriminate against you. Ooh, sorry, I keep touching the table. <laughs> but yeah, mental illness does not. Okay. Mental illness does not discriminate ba- like based on anything. Everyone is fair game when it comes to mental illness. That's right. It's true. And you don't have to be
2: sad. No. You know, people think, you know, oh, I'm sad, therefore that's what the problem is. I keep
1: thinking of Robin Williams. He comes to mind right away, you know, who was the funniest guy on earth. Yeah. And yet he ended his own life. Yeah, I felt
0: numb most of the time. Like I was faking my emotions all Mm -hmm. the time. Um, I think of
2: Karen Carpenter. Yeah.
1: Listen, I had a crush on Karen Carpenter. Oh, so did my okay? dad. Oh, yeah, oh. because she had the most beautiful voice.
2: <laughs> oh,
1: I had I had a, this is back in the seventies, guys. So <laughs> before some of you were born, I had born. my component stereo system that oh, Dad yes. got me for yes. Christmas. It was amazing. Yes. I would yes. stick the earphones in, and That's I'd put the eight track of Karen Carpenter eight on, tracks. and I would lay there on my bed and listen to her voice, and I'm like. She's the most amazing woman on earth. Oh, she can <laughs> you know? sing! And mm. it, I was heartbroken, yeah, you know, I because was too. I was too. She had um, anorexia, yeah, and starved herself to death, you know, and died in and, her sleep and, because and, of that. And back then, back then, I don't even think psychological professionals had what the tools they needed to deal with that. Mm-mm. We've got Mm-mm. better tools to deal with that sort of stuff now. Yeah,
2: we do. And I think that's one thing we have to realize is that food is indeed, Mm -hmm. indeed, a huge problem for some people. Yes. And, you know, when we talk about addiction, we talk about usually drugs.
1: Substances. You know,
2: substance abuse. But, you know, addiction is something that, I mean, I have an addiction. Mm -hmm. My addiction is to food. You know, um, give me something sweet, then I'll tell you what, I'll, any day. Um, breads, mm But, you know, when you, have, when you have that type of personality, mm-hmm. it just manifests itself.
1: In different ways. It,
2: it does. Yeah. And, and we need to be aware of that. And, mm-hmm. again, that's where the self-awareness comes in. We need to be self-aware mm-hmm. of who we are. And if we don't if we don't take that upon ourselves nobody will.
1: And this is why we need each other.
2: Amen. Because and this Amen. is this
1: is why church church is so important. Yes. It's a gathering together of a yes. bunch of people who are looking for God and we're all broken and messed up. Mm-hmm. And we can all come together and say, "Hey, messed up person, yeah. Jesus loves you." Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and we can say that to one another. That's what church should be. Yes. a place where we're seeking God and trying to help one another and are able to talk to one another you yeah. know, with also, love and understanding. And, but, and
0: also, for um, those of y'all wondering, I'm fine. We're, we're all good mm-hmm. now. I'm in therapy. Yes. I'm on medication. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I'm on You th- can talk about it now.
0: Yeah, I can talk. Like I At first I was nervous about like talking about mm-hmm. it on the podcast, um, but then I was like, you know what? I don't think people talk enough about it. You're mm-hmm. right.
2: Because now you will be somebody who will be sought out. Mm-hmm. okay, Katie Beth, let me tell you my problem. Mm-hmm. and they'll come to you. right. And you've given hope. yes,. Mm-hmm.
0: And I think a lot of times church likes I think a lot of times church likes to push Christian based counseling, which there's nothing wrong with Christian based mm-hmm. counseling. that is totally fine. If that's your cup of tea, that's your cup of tea. However, for me, I needed someone who was very far removed from the church because mm-hmm. at the time when I was telling people about how I was feeling, it was like. They weren't
1: helpful, were they? It was like, <laughs> give it to
0: God, or someone was like, there's a demon attacking you, you know, pray mm-hmm. it away. And I was like, I need to know what's going on. Yeah. So then my. You just f-
1: needed somebody to listen to you and talk
0: right, to and you. Right. Yeah. And so when I talked to my therapist for the first time, literally, I told her what was going on. And at the end of the session, she was like, you match the DRSM or the DSM-5 or whatever that thing is called. She, I pretty much matched for generalized anxiety disorder. Yeah. Like, I mm-hmm. matched most of the criteria
1: yeah. for it. How did it feel when you got, when you found out that it, this was a real diagnosis? How it did that make was It
0: was such a relief. It was yes. so
1: liberating, yes. I bet. Yes,
0: because yeah. I had yes. a name for it now. Yes. Because yeah. I just thought I was overreacting. I thought, because mm-hmm. I, I was telling my mom. Because that's what people told you. I was telling my mom, and she just, and I love Susan. Susan's wonderful. I love my parents. They're great. But they just didn't.
2: Mm. They didn't understand. They
0: didn't understand it. And there's nothing against that. Some people just, like most people, just don't Mm -hmm. understand.
2: And you have to understand one thing. She's your mother, too. Mm -hmm. So because she's your mother, she's going to think in a certain way. Mm -hmm. And she is going to try to coddle you Mm -hmm. and cuddle you and protect you. And you are perfect in her eyes.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. so then once I got that diagnosis, I kind of held on to it for a while, mm-hmm. just like just holding it to my heart, just being like, oh, yes, I have a word for me now. Mm-hmm. And then I looked at my mom because like, cause we were talking. She's like, oh, how'd your therapy session go? And I was like, well, you're not going to believe this.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: and I told yeah. her and she was like, OK. And for her, it was like, oh, my gosh. OK, what do we need to do? Like, Mm -hmm. what are some
1: support? She's a great one.
0: And dad needs. Well,
1: parents want to fix things for their children. We do. do. Yes. I I say they. We. We. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Dad, it took a little extra time just because of how mom and dad grew up. Mm -hmm. My parents are both baby boomers. Mm -hmm. So. I guess for y'all's generation, it was very much like mental health wasn't discussed. Oh, it was
1: a taboo. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. you're right. It was. And so me going to
0: my dad being like, hey, dad, I have an anxiety disorder. To him, that was like, whoa. (laughs) It's
2: like, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it took
0: him a little while to like come around to the fact that my synapses just are not synapsing correctly. Mm -hmm. And to know that I have a mental disorder, I'm mentally ill, my brain just doesn't work Mm -hmm. a quote normal brain would he um it took a solid like two or three months like i would have to just gently remind him and Mm -hmm. um there was a lot of growing pains with that but then once he like really realized and i kind of told him what was going on in my brain at all times before meds Mm -hmm. before meds this is the key word (laughs) Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. and i was like yeah this is what's going on in my brain right now and he was like oh (laughs) okay (laughs) all right and then once like i kind of told him what was going on there it was like okay when you really and now my parents and i like it's kind of like a big support system almost Mm -hmm. um and then i got on lexapro y'all lexapro Mm -hmm. that's one of the first medications they use
1: and i think that's important to say too Mm -hmm. it's okay to ask for some medical help. Yes. Oh, it's
0: all yes. right. I mean, God created
2: yeah. doctors and nurses to mm-hmm. practice yes, medicine. that's right. To help. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I, uh, y'all, luckily, it was the first med. It was the first medication mm-hmm. that I tried for a lot of like um, medicines like SSRIs, MAOIs. So like the, medicines that help with like depression, anxiety, like those Mm -hmm. types of medicines, you have, usually have to shop around Mm -hmm. and like find the one that works for you. Right. Luckily, I was good on my first try for my therapist. You are lucky. And I was good on my first try for my medication. Mm -hmm. So before my meds, I remember just like not having any energy to do anything. I was so overwhelmed to even send a work email that I wouldn't even send it Mm -hmm. because I was overthinking and I was so scared of... Not
2: being perfect.
0: Not being perfect, and then thinking I wasn't professional, and then um, they would hate me, and I would never get a job because I was unprofessional, because I missed a comma in a work email. It also didn't help that I had a professor who graded all of my emails to him as part of my professionalism grade. That's crazy. Mm -hmm. You know
2: what this makes me think of? This makes me think of how we don't understand mental illness, but also... In the church today, we don't understand what church is really about. Yeah,
1: I was just sitting here thinking of, thinking of that, Judy, because um, uh, <sighs> the spiritual disciplines of the church, uh, prayer and study uh, and fellowship, fellowship and fasting and all those things are wonderful for your spirit. I also want people to know that St. Luke— was a doctor he was yes. a physician yes. <laughs> so yes. it's okay to add that component yes. also if you yes. need if you need medical help yes I was yeah. a
2: nurse for 25 years. well there you
1: go yeah. it's amazing to me how many people who are in medical professions because they are naturally healers they want to be healers uh, often have second careers in ministry i said
2: going from caring for the body to caring for the caring for the
1: soul because you know we are body mind and soul Mm -hmm. uh, and we have Mm -hmm. to take care of all three of those Mm -hmm.
2: yeah yeah, i just
1: Mm -hmm. thank you for sharing that yeah uh, yeah i just like wanted to share because that's
0: just been like on my brain recently like i've Mm -hmm. i've wanted to share it Mm -hmm. but you know talking to my dad my dad is very protective of me and
1: of course he is he's my dad and
0: you know, there's still like that boomer mentality of like if my school finds out that I have a mental illness, they could fire me.
2: Mm-hmm. Because well, Alabama. I think it's against the law, isn't it?
0: Alabama's an outwell will state, so they can fire me without having to tell me the reason. Um, but it, it, uh, but I don't know if it's against the law to fire because of a mental illness. I, I'd have to look at
1: that. Mm-hmm.
0: And you know what? If they did that, I don't want to work that, for them.
2: That's right. That's
0: right. <laughs> like if my school mm-hmm. fires me because I have a mental illness, I don't well, really want to work for it's
1: them. not just that you have a mental I- illness, though. You are also addressing it. Right. You're, you, are, you are working on it. You are. I mean, you are, yeah.
2: You're being treated. I would
1: say you're probably pro- more mentally healthy than most people. Because there are a lot of people out there that are operating untreated Uh and undiagnosed. Uh Uh Because they just
0: because they
1: yeah.
0: Because for me, I grew up with it, Mm -hmm. so I always thought that everybody's brains worked like that, and I was like, "Why is everybody so calm?" Like, Mm -hmm. I uh, I had a panic attack my my first like big math test of senior year. Mm -hmm. I remember that panic attack. It was a calculus test. I shouldn't Mm -hmm. have been in calculus. I I I count to eight most of my life, and. I,
1: ha- I had to have some math. Mm. I had to have some math, even though I was a liberal arts major. No, and I made yeah. the mistake of signing up for a calculus test. And after the Ooh. second after the second class, I told the professor, I said, "I'm out, dude." <laughs> This is not for me. Oh yeah, I needed one
0: math class for my music <laughs> ed degree, yeah. so I took something called finite math. And mm-hmm. a lot of people are like finite math. Isn't that dumb people math? No, it's real world math. Mm-hmm. I learned how to make a mortgage payment. I learned how to calculate there a car loan. How cool is that? Yeah, I learned how to do all this stuff. We're not
1: stuff we yeah. don't teach kids uh, that, anymore. That, we don't teach it in school, do we? No, we don't. Yeah.
0: We don't
2: teach living. I think skills. that's
1: why. I think that's why financial instruction in the life of the church is important
0: too. Mm-hmm. Talk mm-hmm.
1: to yeah, I have a lady you can talk about if you're interested in that. Yeah,
0: I follow um, the Avocado Toast Budget on TikTok. Mm-hmm. Love her. Mm-hmm. She she's a she is like a financial person, mm-hmm. and but she really focuses on young people and making a budget that works for you.
1: Mm-hmm. That's wonderful.
0: Um, that's wonderful. You know, I'm I'm also a
1: too many overextended people financially. Oh, yeah. yeah, just simply because they've never been taught the skills. Mm-hmm. You know, that's she
0: all. she's also a. Mm. A tiny Dave Ramsey hate account. Because, <laughs> I mean, personally, like Dave Ramsey, he has good stuff, mm-hmm. but a lot of it's not accessible to well, a lot of well people. Well,
1: Dave Ramsey is is wonderful if you can be that disciplined. Yes, yes. But you have to be very disciplined, very disciplined. to be Dave yes. Ramsey. Yes, I mean, right. you know.
0: When he says you can't be in a restaurant unless you've paid off all your debt, to which I say, no. <laughs> no, no, no. Let people live. Like... So she really, so the avocado toast budget, love her because she really operates with truth and grace. Mm -hmm. Because she's like, yes, you need a budget, but here's how to do it in a way that's not going to make you miserable. Mm -hmm. Which I think save
2: all your money for when you're old, and
1: then when you're old, you can't use it.
0: Right. Mm -hmm. She she's very much she uses zero budget. (laughs) Well,
1: to me, it's being able to adjust. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, I've made this statement from the pulpit before. I pay a whole lot more in taxes than I did when I first started in the ministry in salary. I pay a whole lot more in taxes now than I had in salary. I can remember, I can remember being getting the salary raised to uh, twelve thousand nine hundred dollars a year and thinking, "Woohoo! I got a raise!" <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm like, I have no idea how we made it on less than thirteen thousand dollars a year, but because even then that was just a little bit of money, uh, you know. But we did, you know, macaroni, you get macaroni and cheese four for a dollar, yeah. but what we've had to do in our life is just being able to adjust. If mm-hmm. the salary increases, we can adjust. If it decreases, we have to adjust, you know, so
2: I, I have a funny story to add to this. My Mike, my husband, um, worked for a finance company and he, he said that what he saw was the people who were the most in debt, were the ones who made the most money?
0: Oh yeah.
1: Yes, because you tend to overextend. Yeah.
2: You know, you think you. Oh, have I can it. put
1: that on the card. Oh yeah. Yeah.
2: I, yeah. You know, you think you have it. Mm-hmm. Oh, I got a raise, so I can go out and buy whatever.
0: Mm-hmm. You
2: know, and I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. We don't. We don't mm-hmm. budget anymore. <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, I even budget putting money away in savings, like well, like, sure. savings no, like yes. I put that on my budget. That's
2: smart. Yeah, I used to tell my kids when they got a job um, that they, well, I told them, this is when they were young, in teens, mm-hmm. that they had to save half of what they made. Mm-hmm. Save half of what they made, and then they could spend the other half, and of course and out of that came for the church, but um, it, it, had they not had that, when they got ready to go to college, you know, they wouldn't mm-hmm. have had anything, but they did. They had something, mm-hmm. you know, so... Mm-hmm. Doesn't always yeah. work. Well, Doesn't always the, work.
1: My wife and <laughs> tell on Donna Joe here. When we first got married, she <laughs> thought as long as you had checks in your checkbook, you Amen. could write a check.
2: Amen. It didn't matter oh, about girl. the money in the
1: bank. But and, and it's what's so funny is for the last you know, for twenty years she was in banking. So she did a complete one eighty.
2: Oh god. From bless knowing
1: her. from knowing nothing about finances to knowing everything about finances. That's right? funny. That's so, funny. You know, but for the first half of our marriage, we didn't save anything. That's
2: right? funny. So
1: we've only been able to save simply because we got our heads in the right place.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, and our hearts in the right place. got to get your heart in the right place too.
2: That's that's uh, it.
1: And so we've been able to save something. That's it. You know, if we'd have had this mentality all along, oh, oh yeah, I could probably have a million dollars in savings. Oh yeah. But uh, we didn't have that mentality yeah. all along. Yeah.
2: Well, uh, we didn't either.
1: We didn't yeah. either. You live and you learn, hopefully. You do.
2: And I think that's why parents Mm -hmm. try to tell their kids, Mm -hmm. you know, this is what you need to do. And unfortunately, as kids, because I remember doing the same thing, I know I can do it. I will do it my way. And so we don't listen to what they say. Mm -hmm. And then we do learn the hard way.
0: Mm -hmm. I think for my generation, it's a little different because we saw the 08 housing crash. Oh yes, yeah, she did. that was So awful. like that
1: was a tough year. Mm-hmm. There were some tough years that followed. Oh, there's mm-hmm. still like it's still yeah. tough.
0: Like we we saw uh-huh. the 08 housing crash. So we saw a lot of people whose parents lost their jobs. Yes. Yeah. And yes. then we saw the rise of like the pyramid schemes where mm-hmm. uh, they were preying on mm-hmm. women who mm-hmm. who lost their jobs and they were trying to find any way to make that money back and yeah. They got trapped into, like, sinking more money into mm-hmm. it than they were making, mm-hmm. and it was like a whole thing. Yep. Um, yep.
1: There were small business people mm-hmm. uh, in the churches that I served that lost their businesses lost during everything. 2008 yeah. simply because of the economy. And Not because they made bad decisions necessarily, just because the economy just right. went down the tubes. Yeah, right. I don't yeah. even
0: know, like, how the bubble burst, but it did, and mm-hmm. we – because I was, like, sixth grade when it happened. It
1: was artificially – it was an artificial – it uh-huh. was artificial. It was artificially boosted real estate mm. environment. It was, it was not really there. Yeah, you know? and
0: so I saw that happen, and a lot of people my age were like really worried about money because we saw mm-hmm. that happen, and then with COVID, mm. we're seeing it happen again. Yeah, mm-hmm. like when you know when the national unemployment rate reached the Great Depression level of twenty five percent, I was like, oh, okay, we're back there. So I was like really saving. I had like. My little side hustle, my private lessons that I was saving up. And, you know, I was just doing what I could. And Mm. a lot of my generation, like, that's where our brains are right now. Well, sure.
1: Because. There's no security. There's no financial security. No, we have to Um, rely on
0: ourselves.
1: I don't think there's ever really been any long-term financial security. Oh, no. Unless you're just in the top 5% financially of people on earth. You know, the rest of us are kind of scrounging for what's left yeah
0: you, you know? we are one bad paycheck yeah. we're like one skip paycheck away from being on the
1: street a lot of people are mm-hmm. missing a mortgage payment or something mm-hmm. yeah or you a know, car and, payment and i think whatever.
2: that's that's why you have to get your heart straight
1: mm-hmm.
2: you know um now that's not going to keep you off the street right but getting your heart straight is going to help
1: yeah i know for the last 21 years of our our married life Donna Joe has said, everything I've got's for sale for the right price. I'm not tied to the house. I'm not tied to the car. I'm not tied to any property we have. Yeah. You know?
2: That's a good point. That's a good At point. At any
1: time, if something crashes and your income's not there, yep. you have to be willing to liquidate.
2: Yep. Yep.
1: And yep. Uh, yep. so that's why we don't get attached. Well, as a Methodist preacher, you can't get attached no. to stuff anyway. No, no. Because you never know when you're going to have to move. Right. <laughs> Pick up and go. Do yeah. you remember the
2: old days? Well, When you went into ministry, was the appointment given to you at annual conference?
1: Yes, it was. So you didn't
2: know until annual conference?
1: Most of the time I knew 90% before annual conference but we, they would they would print the books on the la- on the last day of annual conference they'd bring the books out in boxes of where the apartment appointments are and we were all scrounging trying to get our book to see where we were going <laughs> that is so that is <laughs> to so. make sure we're going where they said we were going yeah you know? yeah but yeah a lot of times you didn't know until annual and, conference and you know
2: you know yeah. what what people don't understand they think a pastor is appointed for 4 years they think a pastor is appointed for 4 years <laughs> but a pastor's not appointed for 4 it's years. It's like every year. Every single year yeah. you come yeah. up for appointment. And y- the pastor has a choice, has a has a voice. The church. the church has a voice. And the bishop. And the bishop has a voice. <laughs> you may want to stay, your church may want you to stay, and the bishop may say, yeah. "No, we need you here."
1: Or you may want to go. That happened to me after 3 years. I got a call from the district superintendent and the district superintendent said the bishop thinks you need to get out of there. Now, just because of situations I don't want to share mm. with, on the World Wide Web, right. the bishop was probably right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> even though I didn't necessarily want to move. Right. You
2: well, know, so. you, you you never want to move yeah. because it's it's an uproot, you know, an yeah. upheaval You're uprooting your of family. your life, yeah. your family, everything. Um, I, I never really had that problem with kids because when I went into the ministry, it was just Mike and me. And mm-hmm. the dog,
0: mm-hmm.
2: you know. Now there's the three dogs.
1: Mm-hmm. But um, we moved Matt when he was going into the tenth grade. That was oh, extremely that would be hard. Difficult. Hard. He had been in the same school for eight years. Ooh, mm. ooh,
2: ooh, uh,
1: ooh. And so, That's what we told tough. him was, you don't uh, you don't have to stay with us. You can if it's mm-hmm. not going to work, you can move back in with your grandparents and finish out yeah, high school good. where you're at. Good. but we asked him give it a give it a shot for a year right. and so that was the agreement
2: well and you uh, know that's fair and he came that's and fair. once he
1: got once he got once he made the basketball team and got involved yeah, what got involved with the youth group he right. was okay right but it was still extremely difficult
2: and for some kids that wouldn't have been
1: you know for if you're 15 years old and you have to pull up and move I a school you've imagine. been in for eight years yeah. with the yeah. same group of kids coming up that's we did, we
2: did that when um, our oldest mm-hmm. was going, when Rhonda was going into, she would have been going in, as a se- going in to be a senior. And Lindsay was going to be in the eighth grade. And we mm-hmm. moved from uh, Birmingham to Springville. And she commuted half of her junior year back and forth, it drove, and then went her senior year out in Springville. Um, and Lindsay moved. But it, it was the hardest on Lindsay mhm um Lindsay's the more quiet of the two and Rhonda's like me she talked to the microphone and the microphone and talked back but mm-hmm. Rhonda knew everybody in the, in the school before the, the day was over yeah so it just depends
1: on the kid too yeah we've covered a lot of ground and came to the end of the podcast already I believe that how Spent many the 45 how minutes wow well, oh, solid look minutes, at us
2: so. I, yeah. do have, I do have one quick prayer request. Okay. Okay. Rhonda and her family are in Uganda. Mm-hmm. And last week they were supposed to come home. And when they tested to be able to fly on the COVID-free plane, half of them tested positive. Oh, Yay. my goodness. So they are stuck in Uganda. Stuck in Uganda. So they wow. will be tested again this weekend, mm-hmm. and or this, this week, and hopefully come home this weekend. So that's mm-hmm. Rhonda and Derek Loggins, mm-hmm. Maggie, Molly, Macy, and Millie. Bless
1: y'all. Thank we you. will certainly be praying for this yeah, situation. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Yeah,
0: are you ready for the outro?
1: Yeah, we're ready for the outro.
0: <clears throat> okay. <laughs> If you liked what you heard, or if you just want to say, E, what was that? You can always send us an email to grittyhope at gmail.com. That is spelled G-R-I-T-T-Y-H-O-P-E at gmail.com. We also have a website where you can find all the episodes we have put into the bottomless pit known as the internet, grittyhope.com. You can find us on Instagram at grittyhope. Please feel free to send me or Steve a DM on grittyhope. Instagram, right?
1: Absolutely. Yeah, just feel free to send yeah. us
0: one. Please, 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 please. I am mm-hmm. tired of getting spam messages <laughs> on the Instagram. Uh, you can also find Steve on Instagram at Backus Steve. You can find me on Instagram at Katiebeth Louie or at Miss Louie Teaches Music, where I'm just going to put every single thing about me teaching mm-hmm. on that Instagram because yeah. I just don't want to spam everybody. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, if Again, if you just have questions, comments, mm-hmm. concerns, email suggestions, if you want to say, hey, or if you want to say, please never podcast ever again, that hurt my ears, to which I will say, eh, whatever. You can email us at grittyhope at gmail.com. You can send us a DM at Hope on the Instagram, or you can send me or Steve a DM on our personal Instagrams.
1: <laughs> Thank you, Katie. Bell. You're welcome. <laughs> that Hey, that outro is done live every episode. Every episode. And everybody remember that Jesus loves you.
0: Thank God we're trying. <laughs>